0: Welcome to the Keep Idaho Red Radio show, where you'll hear from national, statewide, and local Republican leaders about the issues that are most important to Idahoans today. Now, please welcome Tom Luna and Vic Miller.
1: Welcome back to Keep Idaho Red Radio. It's KIDO 107.5 FM 580 AM and KLIX in the Magic Valley. And uh, in this segment, we're going to do something that we really love to do, which is um, our tradition of meeting with freshman legislators, ones that have just are serving their first term and get to know them a little bit and see what they're passionate about, why they ran and some of the things that they're doing in the state house. So today we are going to kick it off that um, with uh, Josh Tanner and Josh Tanner is district 14 seat B He's in his first term and he scored in uh, two incredibly important committees. One is appropriations and the other one is resources and conservation. So we're going to get to know him a little bit. And uh, good morning, and welcome to Keep Idaho Red Radio, Representative Josh Tanner.
0: Yes, how, how are you doing, Victor?
1: So, Josh, let's let's hop into this. You know, y- you strike me as someone who doesn't do things lightly. So, um, let me ask you: Why did you get involved in uh, in running for office uh, at the state house? Yeah. So the
0: reason I got involved was. I always wanted the best person serving me, and and at this point in time I felt like the best person was myself. Um, my background, I mean I've got kind of a a, a very diverse background um, from an education to business. Uh, my last degree was an executive MBA, I owned multiple companies, and to see... What is actually being what is taking place across our country as well as our state in a sense of taxes and a sense of the overbloat of government, um, my goal has been to come in and try to try to deregulate try to bring back down to what our founding fathers meant for our country uh, not to have this government that we continually look at to rely on but to to make the reliability back upon people and, and not to look for the government for everything.
1: So, uh, Josh, you you are on a thing called JFAC, which is the Joint Finance Advisory Committee, right? Appropriations Committee, sorry. And then, could you talk a little bit about what that committee does? And let's talk about some of the specific areas that JFAC is dealing going to deal with in terms of budgets.
0: Yeah, Victor. One of the largest portions is of what this committee does is go through the existing budget. So we're having the agencies kind of put together what their request is, and the government, uh, the governor will put together what his request is. Then it's up to the legislator to to review all that and then determine what is best for the people. Um, this is a kind of a special committee because it is a joint committee. So we have members from both the House and Senate um, that join together that look through the government and the budgets, and then we go back to, once we make a, a recommendation or approval, we'll go back to our existing committees and present those recommendations to our floor and to our members uh, for, a, for a vote and for an approval. Um, but this is where you're going to see some of the biggest issues within my, within our state because of, the, of where we're trying to fund things. Um, there is a reason that we actually fund government and mostly it become is because of the regulations and the laws that are actually in place that past legislators have, have made and we're now just funding those those requirements um, and then it's really up to us to go back and look and make sure that we're funding that appropriately we're we're actually doing what that law what that bill intended it to be um, but this is also where you're going to see some of the largest overreaches within our state. And overreaches that I'm talking about are from the federal government. The federal government really funds Idaho in a in a mass way. We, As a lot of people say, is we are a welfare state. We take in more money to the, from the federal side than we actually give. Part of this is because we actually have 62 percent of our federal lands within the state that the, the feds actually take and hold control over. Um, that is where we actually have a large issue because we don't get to manage those those lands. Um, <clears throat> they're almost like a foreign country to us because they the the roads that are there. If we don't if we don't maintain them, then they will shut the roads down. Uh, we don't get to maintain the forest, and then we watch it burn down. Um, we we have a, a large issue, but you'll see areas like Custard County where they have ninety percent of their. Their land in the federal name, uh, where they're only getting f- fractions of a cent. I mean, eight to, to twelve cents per acre um, of pelt money, and that is the money that uh, that the, the feds pay to us for that. But the federal government actually dumps a lot of money, and besides that, into other programs: one into education, uh, health and welfare. Um, this is where we're seeing some of the some of the real of the federal government and the control that the federal government is having over our state because we take that money. I mean, we had just um, just yesterday, we dealt with uh, Debbie Crisfield and the education, and we had something which was a special education um, funding issue that came up from the 2021 uh, budget, and um, due to the not knowing what was going to happen during COVID, we actually lowered we the the governor recommended kind of cutting back, doing a reduction across the board um throughout the state. And we saw um so uh <clears throat> this committee actually took that into advice, really did the cutbacks, and um then we ended up getting a lot of COVID money. Well we refunded a lot of this but what we're seeing now is the federal government's, based on our our defunding in a sense, and not really defunding, but just kind of holding back because we didn't know where to spend money. I mean, we weren't going to school during these times. We had kids at home, um, but because we kind of cut back in, on the funding aspect of that program, we're now on the hook for $8.5 million. Um, and we have a request into the federal government because we didn't really not fund it, but in a sense they're saying we did and so we have a waiver that requests it's going to take multiple years to actually decide so it's really the federal government has taken away the power from the states and and is now controlling what decisions we can actually make and what we can't
1: so let's talk a little about uh, you the last week you've been um, immersed in education right so you you look at how many budgets 100 budgets plus overall for yeah 100 budget plus that's a huge huge uh, endeavor but you spent the last week talking a lot about education so maybe bring us up to date um, you and on what you discussed and and what you see there for for education i mean
0: one of the things with education we we've been seeing a lot of supplemental levies that come through the supplementals are going back and supplementals are usually used to as an emergency type, emergency type of fund. And we're going back and we're looking at the fiscal year 2023 at this time, and they're asking for more money that needs to get appropriated because they just need more. Um, <clears throat> this is something that COVID has actually created within the state, and I think not just our state, but multiple states, but it doesn't give a good representation of what is going on to the public. What it is is we're setting a budget. So the um, last year they, they set the budget and appropriated for 2023. And now they're we're looking at 2024, and they're going back and they're saying we need more money in 2024. So it's actually increasing 2023's budget without the public really being aware. So it's like a uh, a six month audible, and we're now looking at where we're falling short they're saying the other issue with education is that we we have we have a mass amount of arpa which is kind of the COVID funds that have come in through our state and there are limitations on what we can spend it on where we can spend it and when we can spend it so you're seeing a lot of money getting dumped in the The big telltale sign and the issue that I see with this is going to be the ongoing cost that we're potentially going to create by these programs uh, there's we've already seen a lot of the a lot of the stuff that we've actually done has a very short shelf life um, whether you're looking at technology um, if even in the building maintenance aspect some of the stuff that we're doing is is a short shelf life and what what's that going to look like in two to three years when some of this is going to have to be replaced um, will we have the the ability and the funding to bail to be able to take care of that.
1: Let's also talk about a little bit um about health and welfare. So there is some some uh thoughts that there's 100,000 plus people still on Medicaid expansion that maybe shouldn't be but are restricted from leaving the roles because of federal inaction. Uh, Maybe talk a little bit about how you see that and what can the legislature do anything about that?
0: Yeah. So one of the issues that I've seen this year and what we've seen the last few years is, is the COVID requirements that brought Medicaid kind of to where it's at now. We, the Biden administration put some put some things in place to actually allow more people to fall under Medicaid just for COVID related issues, um, and. What they did was we we were expecting just during that that time of the pandemic to maybe have that opened up. But what they've done is they've gone ahead and kicked that down the road. They keep kicking the can further and further and further down the road. Now it's supposed to be April 1 where this is supposed to end this year. Um, But one of the things that they actually did is uh, we actually have something where we have to go back and review every single year. and go and and relook at their qualifications well that was uh, that was removed as well so we we've seen 158,000 people come under, come under the medicaid expansion act due to covid um and we can't – the current Medicaid system in Idaho can't actually review all those 158,000 people coming come January 1st. So they're anticipating going back and reviewing 30,000 people um, a month to, until we can actually get through this. But we're still seeing a substantial number come underneath that program. The problem I saw with it, and I had asked um, – Uh, the Department of Financial Management's um, Director Alex Adams, as well as Director Jepson with the Department of Health and Welfare, was are we able to go back and look at these people when they actually lost qualifications? And the answer, unfortunately, is no. Uh, This is a federal thing, this is where the federal tentacles have come into the state of Idaho that has been so frustrating for so many people. But if you were to get on Medicaid back in 2020, and then uh, due to a loss potentially of a job, the next month you actually, so you get on Medicaid then, you turn around and you get a job the following month, you can stay on, Medi- you've been able to stay on Medicaid up till they'll do this review and it, you could fall into the end portion of this review. So maybe six months from now, you could actually go on to. So that to me has been one of the biggest issues I've seen within the Medicaid process.
1: Well, we only have about a minute. Any quick thoughts on taxes?
0: We gotta cut them. Uh, we need to figure out the issues on on property taxes and how to actually deal with this. Uh, we're seeing one, we're dealing with the growth aspect, but but two, we're we're dealing with these these large large increase um, uh, increases within the cities, districts, counties, as well as On income tax, I mean, we did do the flat tax. I mean, we did make some big progress in in that, but there is always progress to be made. Um, I think with the amount of money that we have, I think there's more cuts we can actually do.
1: Well, Josh, you um, are an unusual freshman. You've come in, you've done a lot of homework before you reached your seat, and we really do appreciate all the hard work you've done and obviously all the expertise you've already lined up. We thank Josh Tanner from District 14, seat B for joining us in the freshman segment. And uh, to all those listening to Keep Idaho Red Radio, we'll, we'll uh, hear you and talk to you next week.